Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watch Robocop, released in 2014 and directed by Jose Padilla. And Robocop, released in 1987 and directed by Paul Verhoeven. Uh, now, the plot summaries for the 1987 version of Robocop. In a dystopic and crime-ridden Detroit, a terminally wounded cop returns to the force as a powerful cyborg haunted by submerged memories. And the plot summary for Robocop 2014, as written by Katie. After an attempt on his life, a cop in the near future is given a robo-makeover by a company called Omnicorp and put back on the streets as the first ever part-human, part-robot police officer. You just wanted to use mine so you could say robo-makeover, didn't you? Uh, no, I just I, I use yours first because usually they're better than the ones on IMDb. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so this was the f- your first time seeing both movies. Yes. And my first time seeing the remake, obviously, but not the original. So how do you feel about Robocop? Uh, I love the original. Um, the remake was a bit so-so. Hmm. Yeah, there, I had some issues with the remake, but the original was so much fun. <laughs> yeah. So much fun. That was like the best $3.99 we ever spent on iTunes. So the original is Paul Verhoeven, who also directed Starship Troopers and... A- Basic Instinct. Basic Instinct and Total Recall. Mm. Um, he's basically just this like full bore mad director, kind of like a crazy Michael Bay, but with some satire and some intelligence in there as well. It had a lot to say about violence in movies and, and how corporations kind of own the police and that sort of thing. And it's done with a lot of fun and humor mm-hmm. and it's just awesome. And, and a stop motion robot, yeah, which is one of my favorite things in a movie ever. That's it's pretty brilliant. I mean, the new one tries to do the social commentary aspect, but has none of the fun. Like it's it tries to be a serious cop movie that ser- very seriously examines the idea of um, making people into cyborgs and drones and all that kind of stuff. Now, both movies obviously very much reflect the political atmosphere. I mean, and really overtly, like the original Robocop has a mention of the Star Wars program that Ronald Reagan was into and missile defense and all that kind of stuff. And the, I think it was like late Cold War sensibilities. Mm. Yeah, there's a bit of the same stuff that we did. When we talked about um, war games, there's some of that kind of stuff permeating through it. <laughs> there's even and, a board game where they called Nukem where they yeah. all, the family can nuke each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally unsubtle commentary, but it's done uns- unsubtly like poking fun at itself mm. when they do it. So it's a lot better than the new one, which is more – which has like important social commentary, which I it, – and it's kind of good social commentary too, but it, it just – kind of I just, there's no fun about it there's it's just all very very serious very very sad and see I didn't think that but the things that I enjoyed like I actually I, I went into the sequel thinking I mean the remake thinking it would be awful like I thought I would hate it and I didn't hate it I quite yeah. enjoyed a lot of it um it looks really nice for one thing um and more importantly my favorite thing about the remake was how great Gary Oldman and Michael Keaton were in it. Oh my god, the scene! Yes, so I didn't hate it either. I didn't, definitely didn't hate it, and I thought it was really interesting in some ways. I just, I was just a bit meh about it. Mm. The story, the storytelling was a bit meh. Yes, the scenes in the office with Michael Keaton and Gary Oldman worth the price of admission alone. And also Jennifer Ely. Yes, and. Jay Barakel play important people in those scenes as well. And I thought all of those scenes just nailed it. They killed it. All of those were really interesting, really meaty, interesting characters that they had there, especially Michael Keaton and Gary Oldman, who are like, it doesn't portray them as 
just bad guys. Mm. They aren't like the bad guys in the original, which are just these, you know, cackling, um, over-the-top, scenery-chewing 80s bad guys. These guys are really interesting. Yeah, especially... Um, especially Gary Oldman. Yes. Like, his his character arc is the most interesting thing in the movie. Mm. And, and he, he's really good. And there's no equivalent to him in the original. Well, either. there's no equivalent to any of that, really. Yeah. Because the, the company stuff, the corporate stuff in the original is more of that 80s kind of... Because that was in the time of Wall Street and greed is good and, and that yes. sort of idea. Whereas now it's all about pretending that you are trying to help the people and stuff like that. So the the focus has shifted. So you've mm. got like Miguel Ferrer in the original as that, he's that kind of greed is good, brash, yeah. young Wall Street guy mm-hmm. who's like, let's make money, yeah. And he's really fun. Yep. But no, I don't think any of those roles were anywhere near as good as the as the remake, mm-hmm. which in really, really looks at that kind of company morality and, and mentality and that sort of mm. thing. Why do they do this? Yep. Um, what are the numbers? Why, what are they trying to do here? Uh, how are they, um, they – they show them polling people to see what they would like in a Robocop and things like that. It's really interesting. And I think if they had cut down on some of the actual Robocop stuff mm. and the stuff with his wife, which was all a bit dour and dreary and not very good, and focused mo- more on mm. the, the company stuff – it could have been a really strong movie. Mm. See, I actually, the stuff with the wife was actually kind of exploring some of the more interesting stuff because there was all that, all the stuff around medicine and consent and dealing with, you know, injuries and traumatic injuries and things like that. But they didn't. That's the issue. They didn't do any of that. Like, they sort of bring up the idea of it, mm. but you get one scene between them. Well, see, that's the whole thing. I thought it brought up a lot of interesting ideas, the whole film, right? Yeah. It brought, brings up a lot of really interesting ideas because we, we start off um, – you got Samuel L. Jackson playing like a Bill O'Reilly style news anchor, mm. and there's uh, we start off with some American troops in uh, in yeah, Iran. Yeah, the opening was great. All that sort of stuff. So it brings up these really interesting, relevant current ideas because it's about using drone technology and things like that. How it starts with the premise that uh, we're using drone te- or we America is using drone technology overseas in in place of real soldiers, but there's been a bill in Congress that means that you're not allowed to use it on American soil, which is delightful bit of hypocrisy that we start with about how the way we treat you know, the way America treats its own people and how it treats other people and all that kind of thing. It, they're all really interesting ideas that aren't that don't really get explored, but then it spends a lot of time on the interesting ideas and then sort of neglects the action storyline as well. Because I think the other the biggest problem I had was actually the crooked cops drug dealer storyline. Mm. I thought that was a bit it just sort of wasn't done right. Like we, we yeah, too early on we give it we know too much about these crooked cops. But that's the thing. That's yeah. the one I mean, that's the storyline in the original, kind of. Yeah. Not the crooked cops, but the yeah. drug dealer. I like, sort of skip roughly. over the cops straight to Omnicorp. But that's kind of more about what was in. So it feels like they felt like they had to put that in mm. rather than they should have done it. Yeah, because there wasn't um, anything in this one. wasn't quite so much in this one about the corporation. Because like, the other one, the idea, the original, the idea is that the police force has been brought out by a private company. Yeah. Which, to be honest, is still a really interesting idea because it wouldn't surprise me if that happened somewhere like Detroit. Mm. And that's this is another funny thing is that this is 27 years ago now mm. and th- we're still talking about the problems of Detroit and how Detroit's going to disappear and the money in Detroit and how the, the manufacturing industry has died and all that kind of stuff. I think just think it's interesting that, you know, plus ça change. It's interesting that, like, when they actually showed Detroit, I was like, 
is there still police? Are there still police in Detroit? Because mm. as far as I know, there's just whole areas that have been abandoned, which is basically what I learned from Only Lovers Left Alive. Yeah, I was going to say all, um, I, all I know about is from Only Lovers Left Alive, and um, I feel like there was some other movie we watched set in Detroit recently. Uh, yeah, Robocop. Maybe. Um, <laughs> Probably. Yeah, so um, it was. It was just like there were some good actors in there. I don't real. I I didn't realize because it's been a while since I watched the mm. original. It's been about three years, and I'd forgotten the name of the female partner in the original. I oh, didn't yeah. realize that they had given Michael K. Williams's character the same name, which basically meant that they replaced the woman with a black guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I saw that. And I that made me really angry when I figured it out afterwards. Yeah. But during the movie, it didn't bother me because I didn't know about it. Right. And I thought he was good, but kind of like wasted, like I felt about Abby Cornish and who basically just looked overwrought through the whole thing. And, yeah. And uh, it it was sort of not – like if you're going to have so much focus on that relationship, you've got to give us the foundations of the relationship first. Well, and yes, and that there wasn't a lot on that cop relationship. That's The first one did that a lot better. Um, Lewis and Murphy's relationship is a oh, lot I meant the one with the wife, but both of them. Right, the one with All the wife. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yes, that too. Yes, sorry. All of the relationships were not well – like – other than Robocop and the and Gary Oldman, and yeah, that, that was stuff. the best, and yeah. and Gary Oldman and Michael Keaton, they were yep. the best re- explored relationships in the movie, yes. which tells you where the str- that's I think why I think I felt so strongly that 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 the movie should have focused on them, mm-hmm. um, because that was the strongest part of the movie, yep. not because there weren't interesting ideas in the other parts, but because they, it felt overstuffed with ideas, mm. and that's why they didn't get to explore any of them properly, right? Yeah, so it needed to trim some and focus on the good parts, and yep. the good parts were Omnicorp. And I also, I think I would have liked to have seen a stronger um, th- action through line, like the the actual action story on the way through, the dr- dealing with the drugs and the crooked cops. If they'd have held th- back the information about the, those cops being crooked, like if there'd, there'd been some kind of twist, it would have been better. And it, the sort of the ending of the remake just felt kind of anticlimactic. Mm. Oh, um, and for Lost Girl fans, one of the crooked cops is played by Casey Collins, who plays Hale on Lost Girl. I just thought maybe some people might like that. Yeah, probably. also he's kind of pretty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Joel Kinnaman, who plays mm. Robocop in the in the remake, is okay, mm. but not great. Yeah, I, he's a bit um he's he's a bit stilted. Yeah, I mean perhaps the director was going for a robotic performance, but he was he's a bit there's not much going on. Like all all he gets to work with is his face, and there's just not probably enough going on there. Yeah, I don't know. It just it wasn't great. I mean, he was overshadowed by most of the people he was on screen with. Mm. That crooked cop stuff and the action thing, I think, suffered a lot mm. from the film being PG thirteen. Oh, of course, um, yeah. Which is also why the actual accident, so I've or the done. not the accident, the attempt, the the murder attempt mm. is so much weaker and so much tamer in the remake. Yeah, like I was when he went out to the car, I figured out what was going to happen, and I was so well, disappointed. Yeah, everyone knew what was going to happen, but yeah, he it but was. I, it was but really you probably didn't have the same amount of disappointment because I hadn't having, seen had what not, happened in the original. Having yet. not seen uh, the original, where his hand gets blown off, and then his arm, and then his arm gets well, blown off, yeah. and then he gets shot with like sixty bullets, and then they're like, "Dude, he's still alive." Well, yeah, because and I knew. Paul Verhoeven's reputation in sort of horror and creature stuff is shown to full effect in RoboCop. The practical effects that they use, particularly all the gore, is just great. Yeah, um, the infamous chemic, uh, the infamous toxic waste guy who drives into a vat of, vat of toxic waste and then starts melting. Mm. Help me! And then he gets hit by the so car and just splatters. Good. His 
brilliant. Like, that's what the original Robocop is all about, basically, is just this over-the-top kind of insanity where you're like, this is awesome, but it's also kind mm. of showing how ridiculous violence is in movies. And yep. uh, it's just really, really fun and interesting and, and funny. Nobody is understated. Everybody is going at it like 110%. Mm. Uh, so now I didn't know it was PG-13 going in. Now that you've told me that, that makes a whole lot more sense. Yeah, the, the accident that um, injures him is really underdone as mm. in the remake. But also, I, the way they go about, they go into a lot more detail about the making of the suit. And the suit in the remake seems really, really stupid because it's heavily reliant on machines. Like they take away all of his body except for like his brain, central nervous system, and lungs, basically. And one hand. And one hand. And his face. <laughs> and his face. But actually, those but scenes were those scenes were cool. They were great. <laughs> they were great. Nothing wrong with them. And they go a lot more into that detail. But there's also kind of like it, it makes you ask really obvious questions. Like you see a picture of him, right, when he's in hospital, and he still has part of both legs and part of both arms. Yet, when they made him into a robot, they took away everything except his lungs. They chucked out all his useful organic matter, which probably still would have worked as a body even if he didn't have all his limbs, and then put him all in machines and then made it so that he had to like be, you know, he had to have all his blood recycled overnight. Seems like a really big flaw. Like that's a huge vulnerability as far as I'm concerned because that means the whole thing could just collapse at any minute. Yeah. Which is not well, explored in the, in the, new, in the original because it's just like he's made into a robot and then he can work as a robot and that's it. I think mm. in terms of that sort of thing, when they took everything away, it might have been like they sort of go into this idea that the machine can't function properly with too many – like they talk about it with too many organic, organic inputs, and yeah. all of that sort of stuff. Um, it seems like a bit of a flaw to me, that's all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't really – uh, it's it not didn't... really all that important, honestly. It's just that they go they go into it so you kind of start to think about it. Yeah, which it is... seems like they might have gone into it just to have the awesome shots of him just literally being like lungs oh, and a brain. Yeah, and... the lungs that, but just being yeah, just being able to see his lungs. I mean, that was crazy and also super confronting because you're like, well, I have lungs like that. They're so vulnerable. Look at them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and those were great. And those were scenes with him and Gary Oldman. Mm. Um, again, like really Gary well Oldman is just is sort of the core of that. Yep. Remake, and he does such a good job. So, like for any Gary Oldman fans, this is necessary viewing. I think. Yeah. And getting to see Michael Keaton, who I haven't seen in a while, do something really fun like that. Yeah. Because he did have a lot of fun. The bad guys had more fun, I think, than the good guys. Mm -hmm. um, and he did seem to have a lot of fun with his sort of mm. corporate role there. Yeah. And the, yeah, he has some really great lines too. It's just... Uh, and Samuel L. Jackson has some good lines. Oh yeah, he's brilliant. <laughs> um, there's one bit where he where they have the senator on and he just cuts him off. Yeah, mid sentence. Even though he's making a really good point, he's like, "Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Who can argue with this other guy?" Yeah. Um, and it's really, really funny and really accurate to things like Fox News, right? Where they do things like that, mm -hmm. and uh, you've it's, seen the idiocy of Fox News. All of our news now is basically opinion, like everything to do with news now, and news is just heading further and further into the realm of taking sides mm. so you really people start to divide down the lines of guardian readers and fox news watchers and things like that yeah i don't think yeah. it's supposed to be a news show so much as like a seven uh, uh what what are those kinds of shows i like a current the, affairs yeah yeah I, I, to me it was like it was the standard for the bill o'reilly show yeah yeah but it was uh firstly i liked the set and the way they used it mm. um that oh. was quite neat it that seems was. like something that might happen Right, Le yeah, with, legitimately could be a way TV goes. Right, because of the way that our technology is, that could 
that could potentially be a real f- TV set of the future. Mm. I liked the shot because the, through the whole movie, you just see him from the one side, from the viewer's perspective, and then there's a shot near the end where we flip around to being from his perspective and we look at everybody working on the TV show. Yeah. I thought that was really neat. Mm. I f- yeah, because like it that- starts with a bit of a back- backstage thing. Because it starts with you don't hear the the MGM lion roar; you hear him doing his vocal yeah. warm ups. Yeah, that's good. Um, there's some really c- sort of clever concepts. I think that they're almost like it's almost like they didn't really have that good a script. But I think Jose Padilla could be a really good director. Yeah, um, I know he directed another. I think it was Killer Elite, which I haven't mm-hmm. seen, but it's an action movie. Right. So he should be pretty good on the action scenes. Mm. And there is a really great action scene late in the movie. Like the very last action scene I thought was cool. Mm. There's a bit where he shoots his arm off and I was like, that's badass. Well, there is actually a really cool scene that is essentially taken straight from whatever video game is going to be made of this, where you see uh, Robocop go into battle mode against he's he's going against drones and like the guy who runs the drone program oh yeah that that's a too. really well done scene part of me was like oh wow you can actually imagine how you'd play this as a game right like he's literally playing a game he's got this many people to kill and he's got to get through in this time you know but that could also be a sort of a commentary type right exactly. issue rather than rather than that being a flaw in the filmmaking that's more mm. of like a you know man and machine melding yeah thing yeah, which yeah. makes sense and also i thought you were going to bring up the shootout in the dark which oh, was really yeah, cool too. The, um, yes, that was really cool as well. So yeah, I think the action stuff would have been good as long as they had dumped all of like the the stuff with his real life didn't work very well. Mm. The stuff with his Alex Murphy pre RoboCop life, which the the re, the original just basically ditches all of it. Right. He has one. Uh, he makes. Uh, uh, he has a partner, and she's literally the only relationship he has in the movie. And it's not a romantic one or anything. It's just. Like, she humanizes him a bit. Mm. Well, because in the original, they've told his family that he's dead and he's yeah. been buried and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, the remake's trying to – what's trying to get at is the absolute impossibility of him going back to that life again and, you know, talking, thinking about what – But it isn't ha- because in the end, the happy ending is him yeah. essentially going back to that life. So it isn't really – it's more about, like, oh, are you erasing mankind by relying too much on machinery? Yeah. That's what it's supposed to sort of be thinking about, but it isn't really doing that. It kind of goes in that direction and then it takes it away and then it goes somewhere else. And so it had too many – too many – what is it? Fingers in too many pies? Is that the yeah, saying? Yeah, there's too much going on. Yeah. yeah. And it really needed to – trim back a lot of that, drop some of the cop storyline maybe and his his real life storyline, keep the action scenes and stuff mm. in and maybe him solving his own own, own murder because yeah, that stuff was quite good. That was terrible. But yeah, ditch the crooked cops and, and the mess of that yep. stuff and then it might have been better. Mm-hmm. It just didn't really pay off properly. No, I, I agree. I, I'm not against the crooked cop storyline exactly because – but again, it's another it's another um, bit of social commentary. There's a lot less trust in institutions. Yeah, we, people don't trust institutions nowadays, so we're used to seeing crooked cops. But yeah, it was all, it was too much going on. Yeah, for it all. It, to make that's any the sense. thing is that I liked all those ideas too, but I'm like, you can't put them all in the one movie. You no, just can't no unless you're going to do more with them and do them better. You can't put them all in the one movie, and you can't. I mean, there's just too many. There's too mm-hmm. much stuff for them to have a focus. A movie needs to have like a storyline and a focus and it can, you know, have little bits about other things, but it needs that focus. And right. this didn't have one focus. Mm. So, 
yeah, they needed to trim all of that stuff. Make another movie about that. Make this one about one thing. Yeah, it's not like they can't not going to have sequels. Robocop had like four sequels. Exactly. They could have put some of that stuff in a sequel. Right. Um. Mm, anyway. The thing is, I think I when I came out of it, I was arguing with my friend who I went to see it with because he's a huge fan of the original. I really love the original as well, mm. but I was trying to watch it without judging it too much by the original. And I like that they didn't try and remake the original. I like that they didn't try and remake a Paul Verhoeven nutcase, like, over-the-top movie yeah, about the that. same thing, mm-hmm. right? Shifting the focus and doing it differently was a good idea mm-hmm. because if they had tried to make remake the original, it'd be worse. Yeah. I didn't get bored. I didn't sort of lose interest in it. I thought some of the shots are really cool, some of the ideas are really cool, and a lot of the acting was really good. Mm-hmm. So for me, on balance, I think I liked it more than I didn't like it. Yeah, I, I, I liked it enough, you know, I'm not going to f- give it a failing grade or anything. <laughs> I just, it, it, especially having then seeing the original, I, I'm mm. glad I went in having not seen the original because the original was just so much fun. Mm. And half of what I look like look for in a movie is the experience of having fun. Uh, uh, Robocop is just so silly that you can't not enjoy it. Yeah, we were laughing a lot. Yeah, there was. I, the... We should have recorded our commentary. <laughs> honestly, there's this. There's the one supporting character for Kurt Wood Smith's incredible over-the-top drug lord, mm. who's so funny. But then he has this one henchman who laughs like a hyena every time anything happens. Oh god, it's so funny. <laughs> it it seems like that would be a bit of a flaw in a henchman because he would give away your position all the time. You could never these sneak guys up on were not about stealth. But anyway, no, they were not. But I loved that fully committed, over the top performance from those villains. It was amazing. Like you, mm. because, of course, full on scenery, you had have to commit all the way or not at all, and they committed all the way, and it was insane and brilliant. Yeah, there was that whole and Ray Wise was one of the um mm-hmm. the henchmen as well. They had this like they did seem like the hyenas from The Lion King. Yeah, they sit there and they laugh every time something evil happens, yeah. gleefully. Laughing as 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 Kurt yeah, Smith shoots the, off Robocop, the uh, evil shoots Om- off Alex Murphy's arm. Right, and the evil um, Omnicorp people are just as mad too. Yeah. Like, there's the bad guy is literally called Dick. <laughs> yes, that's the, the CEO. His name is Dick. <laughs> and then at one point they call him Richard, and we were like, "But how are you going to know he's a bad guy if he's not called Dick?" <laughs> you guys, but they're also they're so overtly evil as well. Like they're just trying to undermine one another in the boardroom. And- yeah. Yeah, and there's some really funny scene, like the scene between Miguel Ferrer and it's somebody famous who plays Dick as well. The scene between those two Ronnie in the bathroom. Cox. I don't know. That's 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 his name, Ronnie Cox. I've seen him in some some other stuff. Uh, um, Total Recall, Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, there you go. Famous stuff. Yeah. Oh, he's in Deliverance. He's uh, yeah, he's really good in it, yeah. and they have a great scene together. And then <laughs> there's the scene where Miguel Ferrer's character, who I really can't remember the name of. Mm. is in his house and he's doing blow-off hookers. Yeah. And then, like, he gets his leg shot up and there's a grenade and the whole house explodes. Well, no, but Kurtwood Smith comes in and says, leave, bitches. That's right. <laughs> so awful. But so, oh, it's, it's just. so funny. And the shoulder pads on those on those prostitutes, too, are, like, the size of their heads. Mm. There's also some interesting stuff, though. Paul Verhoeven mm. has had two movies where he has – unisex showers like two future set movies with unisex showers in them which is really really interesting to me just thinking about like what his vision of the future is because clearly he 
thinks that in the future that's something that can happen, that, that men and women can be in the showers together without it being sexualized. Yeah. And it's really sort of idealistic and sweet in a way. <laughs> and he also creates that fabulous cop partnership between a man and a woman where that is just a platonic cop business relationship. Yeah. Like it's a prof- – it's that – it's what um actually elementary does really well, but when they made their Watson female, there was all this criticism of, oh, they're going to get them together. It's going to be like every other procedural boring. And so they worked really hard to make the relationship platonic and they've done that so well that now there's no, there's not any chemistry or tension. It is a professional working relationship and they have this here and it's really good because it's so rare because mm. usually if there's a male cop with a female partner or a female cop with a male partner, there's tension there and it's just, you don't need to have that to make the relationship interesting. Yeah, it is fascinating that RoboCop is a movie without a romantic storyline. Yeah, at all. At all. None. Which is just So wonderful. maybe that kind of platonic male-female friendship is something he's interested in exploring. Maybe he's got this idea that in the future we'll be less hung up about gender differences I don't, or sex differences. or Yeah, maybe. it is. that. Well, that's the sort of sense that I got from those shower mm. things is that, that he really does have this kind of sweet idealistic version of the future where where women's bodies aren't hypersexualized all the time and yeah. and that female cop the female cop as well she never he did to, to be fair direct both showgirls and basic instinct though. yeah i know yeah that's why i think it's weird yeah but neither of those are set in an idealist in, in a future no no where not. i mean not that neither starship troopers nor robocop is an idealistic future but i think that's a bit of idealism in it well yeah because that's that whole thing i i don't even know who made this quote the one about if we're going to make i think it's jane espenson actually if if you're going to write the future you write what you want it to be right something about us having the same hang-ups or something like that. right that kind of thing and it is jane espenson i'm pretty sure yeah Um, i'm pretty sure it is yeah it's it's a funny sort of thing that he well because basic instinct and showgirls both kind of criticize the hypersexual sexualization of women as well mm-hmm. in their own weird way by hypersexualizing women. Um, so I don't know what's going on in his head there, but it is. I do think it's interesting that both of those movies have that idea in them um, and that in this movie, uh, Lewis is never, ever sexualized at all. Mm-hmm. She is just his cop partner. That's it. Except the, he calls her girl, doesn't he? He does. One, at one point when he's still... Um, human. Oh, sorry, when he's still pre-injury, he refers to her as girl. Yeah, and then of course he goes off and gets injured because he's disrespected her. <laughs> well, that's what I like to think. But you've got to remember also, Paul Verhoeven is Dutch, yes. so he's not American. So perhaps he's got different. He's got I don't know more European, more more egalitarian ideas about women, and I don't know women's roles. Mm, it's interesting. I don't know. Though. The Netherlands is a country that had like only female leaders for like 120 years. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. I, don't, I just found it interesting. Mm-hmm. It was something that I noticed when I was rewatching it. Yeah, it's an. I think that's really interesting that they can just mm. sort of. He he's so comfortable with that idea, and yeah. um, and it seems like the bad guys were the ones who were mostly um using women as well, right? And exactly. abusing women because they show that a bit. Well, um, that's why I think the Kurtwood Smith line about "leave bitches" gets such a a good reaction is because. The uh, Miguel Ferrer's character is in there treating women awfully. Yes. And then the other bad guy comes in and treats women more awfully. Like, you, do, it's just a way of, you know, they're bad guys because they're so horrible to women. Yeah, you know they're bad guys because they're so horrible in general and they're just – anyway, it's – it's yeah, uh, it's like the uh, being rude to waiters stand in for, you know, you know someone's bad because they're bad to women, you know someone's bad because they're rude to waiters kind mm. of thing. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's – 
Paul Verhoeven, I think, is it, he's really, really well liked among like geeks and stuff because mm. he's made quite a few of these absolutely crazy geek movies where everything is really nuts. I mean, Total Recall is just a whole nother level of nuts. Mm. They remade that too, although I haven't seen it. Yeah, there's a little ref. I feel like there's a reference to the Total Recall remake in the Robocop remake because there's a suit of armor that looks like the the um the suit from the Total Recall remake. Just, is there? Yeah, in um the Michael Keaton's office towards the end, there's like the it's like a it's a black and white sort of armor. Oh, yeah. I only recognized it because I saw it. I hadn't. I saw it at Comic Con. And we have a photo of it that I I see every now and then on my computer, and I'm like, oh, I I recognize that armor. I'm I know they sure. made reference to the original RoboCop with an early prototype of the RoboCop armor in the yeah this remake. Is definitely that RoboCop armor, by the way, in the remake is fantastic. His motorcycle is brilliant. Oh, I love it that. It seems like they really put effort into like making it all interesting and you know look good because they they have this cool little stand that flips down from the motorbike to make it stand up. Yes. And they had no reason to put that in apart from that, you know, they're like, how does the motorcycle stay up? I know, we'll actually put that explanation in the movie. Yeah, no, I really liked the um all, all the detail about his programming and what he had and how the suit worked and that it could withstand 50 caliber bullets but not any higher than that. And there was nice that was a nice little detail. They put a lot of effort into that stuff. Yeah, and the mo- motorbike looks really cool, has cool flashing lights mm. and, you know, all that sort of stuff is really neat. Mm. But at no point, unfortunately, does he just drive right through police tape. Mm. Um, the original Robocop is literally just Robocop walking into situations, punching bad guys and walking out again. He doesn't arrest anybody. <laughs> he doesn't, like, do it. He just walks in. Punches them, out he goes. Or, you know, clotheslines them, blows them up. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. Let someone else clean up the mess. Yeah. <laughs> and I forgot, actually, in both movies they have the, the directive about not being able to kill Omnicorp employees. employees. Yeah. <laughs> in the sequel, I mean, in the remake, they do it so differently. In the original, it's like, oh, I can't hurt Omnicorp employee, em, employees and the lead boss guy goes oh my god you murdered somebody you're fired and he's like thanks and he just shoots him it's <laughs> like oh yeah which doesn't quite happen in the remake no it's not quite as like that's the resolution to the whole movie too mm. that's it that's the whole like without the head boss guy going you're fired none of it would have been able to happen no. <laughs> oh that's great uh, anyway, um, oh, scores. What did you give? What did you give? Nineteen eighty-seven Robocop. Um, the original I gave four and a half stars out of five stars. The remake I gave three. Yep, I gave four to the original, three to the remake. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, thank you for listening. Yes. Um, if you want to read the show notes or learn anything more about us or find old episodes, you can do that on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's. Uh, movie review blog you can do that at silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com to find us online you can go to our facebook page and like that or you can follow us on twitter at screen underscore queens or you can come and hang out with us on tumblr tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com thanks very much for listening bye bye